And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And on the phone with us is the Reverend Kevin Sherritt, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for having me, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here. Kevin, I think this is your first time on the program. I just want to say that, uh, Kevin, you're an old, an old friend. doesn't mean that you're aged, but um, we've known you for a long time. And um, we worked at IBM together quite a while ago. And it's just a joy to have you on the program today. One of the things that we wanted to talk about today was um, the person of Jesus Christ, or what some would term Christology. Um, you know, last week we were talking a little bit about Harold Camping and some of his misconceptions and heresies. Well, uh, he also has a misunderstanding of the person of Jesus. Um, in his teachings, um, he'll talk about Jesus being the Archangel Michael. Um, he will talk about Jesus being the Father. He will get many things confused about Jesus and uh, thought, you know, that's a really good subject. And maybe some of our listeners have questions about um, the Trinity. Um, how could Jesus become man, still be God, and and exhibit these uh, characteristics of man, uh, and yet uh, thereby not losing his divinity? You know, that whole set of problems uh, I'd really like for us to talk a little bit about today. Um, where do we start? Well, maybe one of you gentlemen could refer us to one of the creeds that starts talking about the person of Christ that we find early in church history. Well, if you're looking for uh, the creeds in early church history, uh, of course, the one that really deals with the divinity of Jesus Christ, and of course it arose out of the what was called the Arian controversy, is the Nicene Creed. And the Nicene Creed in 325 was there, and when it comes to Jesus Christ, it's of course I believe in one God. Notice it starts off, I believe in one God, and mm-hmm. so there is only one God. But then it talks about the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. And then, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. Very key phrase. This this was the crux of the whole Nicene Creed. Begotten, not made, being of one substance, and then we get that Greek word that came in there, homoousion, one substance, with the Father by whom all things were made. And then it goes on to talk about what he did for us in terms of salvation, mm-hmm. his crucifixion, and of course the resurrection. So those are a couple of the things that are really very important, that Jesus Christ is indeed God. Yeah, I think the... Uh the, the phrase "one being of one substance with the Father," as Mark said, is is crucial here. The Arians were willing to admit that Jesus was very much like the Father. They used a different Greek word that it was different by one letter. Yeah. They said he was homoousion with the Father, and the whole creed hangs on the word homoousios. It hangs on one letter, and so the the affirmation is that Jesus is completely identical in being with the Father. And thus, is, it's an, you know, an unalloyed affirmation of his divinity. Now, at the same time, 
it distinguishes between Jesus and the Father very clearly because a thing cannot be homoousios with itself or one substance with itself. So the creed really does two things. It it affirms the divinity of Jesus Christ, but it also makes it very clear because it's a Trinitarian creed that he's personally distinct from the Father at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a, it's very important. Uh, one of the heresies that had grown up prior to the Arian heresy was uh, what we call the either the Sabellian or the modal or modal monarchianism, uh, which was a heresy that said that Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are all one, but they're different manifestations of the one. So what they would say is God the Father we see in the Old Testament, and then Jesus Christ comes in the New Testament, and then when he ascends into heaven, then the Holy Spirit comes. It's all one but different manifestations. And, and of course, the Nicene Creed is saying, no, there are three distinct persons in the Trinity who are all there present at the same time. And, of course, we see that at Jesus' baptism. Mm-hmm. Now, what about, uh, gentlemen, and we have a break coming up, maybe in about a minute or so from now, Um the person of Jesus, he takes on human flesh, right? And he lays aside some of his glory. Uh, mm-hmm. He becomes man. Talk a little bit about some of his limitations uh, in the flesh, and yet not violating his divinity. Well, that's a little bit more of a complicated question, Dan. But um, I think the way to approach this is, you know, the, the famous passage here is in Philippians 2, where it speaks of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. In some translations say he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. The, the key thing is that Jesus becomes man in such a way that his divinity remains undiminished. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really empty anything out of himself. What he does is he empties himself into the form of a servant. He existed as God, and then he added, if you will, the form of a servant. Now, in taking that form, his divine glory is, uh, on one level, veiled. And yet John can say the first chapter of his gospel of the incarnate Christ, we have beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and full of truth. So while, while we, we can speak of Jesus laying aside his glory, nonetheless he manifested his glory in his stooping down to become man. So mm-hmm. we're affirming two things, that he takes a human nature to himself and at the same time remains fully divine. Right, and there's two natures and uh, they're unmixed and that's uh, i think the westminster shorter catechism really does that well when it talks about who is the redeemer of god's elect the only redeemer of god's elect is the lord jesus christ who being the eternal son of god became man and so was and continueth to be god and man in two distinct natures and one person forever mm-hmm. two natures one person, Trinity, one God, three persons. Well, there's a lot to talk about there, and uh, to you guys, this is all simple and just uh, rolls right off, but um, to 
us average folks out in the streets, uh, this is a little harder to understand, perhaps. What we're going to do is take a short break. We'll be right back on the other side. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, and on the phone, the Reverend Kevin Sherritt. Today we're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And to get us started, um, this side of the break, gentlemen, um, I want to uh, recite something from the Shorter Catechism. When it asks the question, how did Christ, being the Son of God, become man, uh, it says... In its answer, Christ the Son of God became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary and born of her yet without sin. And what strikes me and I think a number of our listeners is uh, the notion that 
here's Jesus. He takes on human flesh, and he takes on the limitations of that human flesh, so much so that in some portions of Scripture it will tell us that Jesus didn't know. For example, uh, only my Father knows when I'm going to return. I don't even know that. And gentlemen, I wonder if we could talk about that a little bit. How is it that he takes on this human form and yet does not lose his divinity? Yeah, that's a really difficult question to try to wrap our minds around because we (laughs) as human beings have just one nature. We have a human nature. Mm. And and what you have in terms of when Jesus took on uh, the human nature – uh, one of the characteristics of human nature is his finiteness, and yet being true God, he is infinite. Uh, so you have two natures, uh, one truly God and one truly man. And, and so we see with his human nature, there are limitations. Mm-hmm. He grows. He grows in stature. He grows in knowledge and wisdom and favor with God and man, as the Scripture tells us. So, there is uh, that growing process. There is, in the human nature, a kind of, uh, if you will, ignorance of certain things, obviously. Yeah, and, the, and the, the book of Hebrews even says that he learns obedience to what he suffered. I think, I think the crucial thing to affirm here in the Catechism ha- hits at it is he assumes a true human body, a reasonable soul. Jesus has not only a human body, but a human soul, a human mm-hmm. mind, if you will, or a human mm-hmm. spirit. That's important to get because there were positions in the early church which held that Jesus had a human body, but essentially a divine mind or a divine soul or a divine versions of that Apollinarianism. So the the portrait of Jesus in in the revelation of God that we have in the New Testament is of concrete, full humanity. He assumes a human body, a human soul, and a human mind. And it's part of his condescension and his love what the early church fathers called his economy, his, his, his uh, stooping down to us, that he assumes our ignorance as well. And sometimes we have trouble with this because we think of Jesus as having a sort of divine mind, or we think of the humanity as a kind of glove or mask or instrument, which is just uh, a tool in the hands of the divinity. But the, the portrait in the New Testament and the portrait in the creeds of the church is full complete humanity in, in all of its um, littleness and weakness and frailty and all of its scandalousness. Mm. Now, um, one of the people wrote me concerning what um, the heretic Harold Camping believes, and it was his understanding, he said that Jesus was not equal to the Father when he became a servant. So apparently that's what Camping believes. Um, how do we handle that as Jesus becomes takes on human flesh, I think you've already addressed it, he's still fully God, correct? Yeah, he, he is. But at the same time, there is some sense that Jesus in his human nature, and of course he always says that, I don't do my own will, I do what the Father says. Mm-hmm. That there is that subjectionism uh, in his uh, human mm-hmm. nature. There's a uh, another distinction here, Dan. I know it's a, it's a couple more big words, but it's important, and that's that in the economy, he's, he's subjected, as Mark said, to the Father, or subordinate to the Father. Mm-hmm. He obeys the Father, and thus can say things like, you know, only the Father knows this, or the Father is greater than I. But ontologically, in their being, they're equal. 
Right. And so that's the distinction, it seems, that Harold Camping is either not making or denying. That mm-hmm. the, the differentiation between Jesus and the Father is something we see in the economy, that is, in the outworking or the unfolding of God's purposes in Jesus' historical life. But that same Jesus says, in subjection to the Father, in the economy, that I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that before Abraham was, I am. That if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And... So the church has always had to to architect together all, not some, but all of the, the portrait of Jesus in the scriptures. And the way it's done that is faithfully to scripture is, is by saying that Jesus is in his being, one with the Father, and in his humiliation subjected to the Father at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that gets back, you know, also to the idea that Jesus has two natures but one person you know that's why he is not inferior to the father because he is one person mm-hmm. uh, human nature yes and uh, that makes it very you know it's hard to comprehend and of course much of the early church was made up of controversies one as kevin pointed out apollinarianism you know or, or that jesus was only divine or didn't have a will, monothelitism, uh, only had a divine will. Or then you had the Nestorians that came along and actually divided Jesus and said, well, he's two persons. He's a human person and a divine person. Mm-hmm. And it got very messy. And, of course, then we had other councils that helped clarify that, Council of Ephesus 431. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you can end up with um, such a realistic portrait of the humanity of Jesus such that he's a distinct individual person who then becomes adopted by God, either at his conception or after his conception or at his baptism or some subsequent time. That's known as adoptionism, and that's heretical. Mm -hmm. Then the relationship between Jesus and God would be some sort of moral relationship or some sort of spiritual relationship, but not an eternal relationship of one being. So Jesus is not a man adopted by God. On the other hand, people diminish the humanity so much that that they treat it as a sort of a ghost or a phantom or yes. a love of the divinity. And that, that was known in the earliest part of the church as docetism. Mm-hmm. And the church had to steer its way through this stuff. And, and steering its way through this stuff, uh, Chesterton you know, mentions that this was one you know, whirling adventure. Like a chariot mm-hmm. by wild horses, and and it took it took hundreds of years of reflection and, and battle for the church to fully articulate. Now the message is there from the beginning in the New Testament, yeah. but but it took some time for the church to get a kind of consensus and clarity about that. And you know, our listeners should be very very skeptical and cautious of a man who rejects that long honored theological tradition that was shaped over centuries of reflection uh, on Holy Scripture by the fathers in the faith. Yeah, that's a good point. we got a few more minutes here to the broadcast. Uh, let's summarize where we are right now. And you might say, wow, you guys here on A Plain Answer today, a lot of big words. I don't know how to relate to all this. Why does it matter? Well, it, it does matter, because here we're talking about the person of Jesus Christ, the one who would die on the cross for the sins of his people. Mm-hmm. He would rise again on the third day. He would ascend to the heavens and be seated at the right hand of the Father 
from where he rules and reigns. These are very important topics because we're talking about your Savior. We're talking about our, my Savior. And so, yes, it is really important. Um, We don't want to um, talk too much about camping, but one of the things he's done is that uh, he'll talk about the election of God and how that Christ was slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. And so now he'll come and say, when he died on the cross about 2,000 years ago, it was merely a demonstration. And so there's an example of how that understanding the person and work of Jesus is very important. We believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and had he not done that, we would not be saved. So this stuff really is important. Yeah, it is. In the uh, medieval period, we had a man by the name of Anselm who wrote uh, his book, Cur Deus Homo. And uh, basically that, that means in Latin, why God became man. That's a rough mm-hmm. translation. And he came to the conclusion that God had to become man, first off, because who should pay for the sins of man? Hmm. Only a man should pay for the sins of man. And so, therefore, he had to he had to become man. And, of course, the, the limitation of all other men was, could they pay for the sins of man? No, they could not. Mm. They didn't have uh, the power, the righteousness. Uh, they didn't have the ability to pay for the sins of man. And, therefore, God had to become man. Mm-hmm in order to pay for those sins. And, of course, you know, of course, puts a lot, the lie to the whole idea that the sacrifice was made before the foundations of the world. Decision was made before the foundation of the world. Uh, you know, that's part of election. But the actual carrying out of that sacrifice that had to be made was made some 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Right. So if you if you cut the the vital nerve between Jesus and... God, then you just have a man on the cross, and so so this does go right to the atonement. Yeah, yeah. These sorts of these sorts of Christology questions about who Jesus is and what his relationship is to the Father. If you cut that nerve, then then Jesus's actions, uh, even in the Gospels, are emptied of divine and thus saving validity. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you if you diminish the humanity, the full humanity of Jesus, then the atonement is not something actually wrought out in our flesh and in our humanity. And so it's, it's very important hmm. that, uh, that we get the person of Christ right, because if we get the person of Christ right, as Mark just indicated, we'll get the atonement right. That's it. Yeah. That's well, it. Uh, let's, um, let's wrap this up now with some closing summaries. Let's try to summarize the Trinity Let's summarize the person of Christ and his work. And, um, Kevin, maybe you can start us off. Well, Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, who, in the first century, became man, you know, was conceived by the Virgin Mary, and was born of her substance, really drew his humanity for her, was conceived in the power of the Holy Spirit, and thus the second person, of the Trinity, the Son, uh, becomes a man, adds, if you will, a human nature to his divine person and nature, and thus um, incarnates the, the Word or the Logos or the Son of God. And that it is that person who is Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, who then lives and dies in our place. 
and he's unique. There's no one else like him in history. And, and in no other religions. No. In no other religions is there someone, the God-man who comes and dies as a sacrifice for his people. And when you see the uniqueness of Jesus, you can see how he can save. Mm. How a person can come to him in faith and he has the power to take away their sins. Mm. Good point. Well, gentlemen, I see we're out of time already. These uh, programs go very fast. If someone out there has a question for either of these fine pastors uh, about the person of Christ or about his work or about your relationship to Jesus, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email, ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org, ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org, and we'll forward it to one of these pastors. Or you can leave a message on our toll-free number. That number is 888-724-4427. Also, visit us online at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. This broadcast will be put up there as a podcast. It'll be linked to iTunes. And we want to hear from you. So by all means, contact us. Probably the fastest way, again, is via email, ministry at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. I want to thank the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Kevin Sherritt today for spending their time and helping us uh, articulate this information about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this is a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Thank you for tuning in our way today. Please tune our way next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 